millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Coming up on this week's show, our thoughts on CBS's return to the Champions League. Which is better, the Golazo show or Zona football? What we think of the European Premier League concept? Scottish football is finally back. MLS may be changing their schedule calendar after all. Plus, we have letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, joined alongside my co-host, Kartik Krishnair. Now, Kartik, um... There's a lot to get to. Actually, this is going to be a fun episode because we've got so much to talk about. And uh, let's start off with uh, with the soccer, start off with the, the football. Um, from this past week, what was your, your favorite match or favorite program that you watched? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think the Orlando-North Carolina courage match, Orlando Pride-North Carolina courage match, Saturday afternoon, late kickoff, 4 p.m., a local time, a late kickoff for American television, right? Uh, for national television, uh, back and forth match, uh, the fall series, both teams really can't win it at this point, but uh, Davinia had some gr- great play. She scored a couple goals for North Carolina. Orlando comes back late. This is Orlando without Alex Morgan. She's obviously on loan now at Spurs. Uh, they come back and, and, and score a couple of late goals. It, and it was also, I think it was good because it was on CBS and it was in a, uh, in a probably a better time slot than the 1 p.m. that NWSL has been getting. Uh, there was no uh, SEC college football game at 3.30 this week because of uh, uh, the COVID outbreak at the University of Florida. So Florida LSU was postponed, and uh, they had a, 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 a match in, in, that, in that time period instead CBS. So uh, although actually I think maybe uh, Florida LSU wasn't going to be on CBS, but uh, anyway, there was no SEC game at that time, and obviously CBS normally shows an SEC game at three thirty. So I thought that was the best game. There were some there were some other good good matches this weekend. I mean, I I would put Everton Liverpool up there, but I guess uh, I don't want to give it the, the top spot because of all the other controversy around that match, which I which maybe we'll get into. Yeah. So for me. I'm going to cheat on this one, Kartik, because uh, my favorite match from this past week was the first half of uh, AC Milan against Inter uh, at the San Siro. Just a really, really, I mean, the first yeah. 45 minutes, just nonstop, exciting end-to-end action. 
and the thing that's different about a Serie A is just the um, the quality level. It's at at a high level. You've got a blend of players. So if you got you've got a blend of uh, South Americans, you mean the Uruguayans, you've got a blend of uh, some English, some Belgium. It really is... Uh, Eastern European, and particularly with yeah, uh, Croatia. those two teams. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And, and actually even Napoli, Lazio have a lot of Eastern European players. So That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, you've got a really great blend of, of soccer, and and with uh, I mean, t- to me, with uh, Matteo Bonetti on the co-commentary, and then uh, Mark Donaldson on on the lead commentating, uh, the two of them. I mean, Mark has just uh, just incredible set of lungs in terms of just his not only his volume but his power, it, just an explosion. And this was a really exciting game. I mean, in the first half, you thought, okay, this is it. I, I mean, this is. Milan, you know, this is this could be a, a massive scoreline here, and uh, just a really entertaining game from 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 uh, start to finish. But but Kartik, the second half. So the first half was uh, Milan against Inter. Second half, it was this. Here he goes. Never ever prejudge a football match. Never think you know. Never think it's over. Never write the script before it's written for you. This was meant to be Bale's game. It was Kane's game. It was Son's game. It was Tottenham's game. Rip all of that up. It's Lanzini's game. It is a 3-3 thriller from nowhere, West Ham. From nowhere. Balbuena with a standard centre-half's header. Sanchez with a peculiar own goal. And then Lanzini with the goal of his dreams. And West Ham have... Never. Yeah, and and that was uh, I mean a, a really incredible second half. But but Peter Drury, I mean really at the top of his game once again, just with that that uh, poetry. I mean it, it is what it is. It's poetry, and uh, I mean never ever prejudge a football match. Never think you know. Never think it's over. Never write a script before it's written for you. And I'm sure a lot of listeners. I mean myself included. Um, I would think Kartik, you too. Sometimes you, you you watch matches and you go, "This this match is dead and buried." I mean, fifteen minutes in, Spurs are winning three nil. This this game's over, and, and West Ham looked, you mean, out of the game completely. Uh, I'm not sure they looked out of the game completely. I thought actually after halftime they came out and played from minute 40. And, and actually, Drury and Beglin mentioned this in the commentary. From minute 45 to minute 60, they were the better team. Gareth Bale comes on minute 61, I believe. And uh, yeah, he has that chance at the end. Kane had a chance. But I actually thought West Ham got back into the match, uh, even though they were down 3-0. They looked very much up for it after halftime. Uh, although it must be said that 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 two of the guys that looked really good after halftime were Antonio, who you could tell in the first half, towards the end of the first half, wasn't going to be able to go full 90. And same thing with, with, with Fornals, who was good and then kind of dropped off. I wanted to go back to your, to, to your first pick, your, 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 the Milan Derby. Um, this is um, this also, I have to say, just from a general football standpoint, uh, it, it was a bit of a shock because mm-hmm. – um, I don't have very high expectations for, for, for Milan this season, have exceedingly high expectations for Inter. I've, I've actually even gone on record saying I thought Inter could compete in Europe uh, at the highest level and that they would win Serie A this season. They have not looked good thus far in Serie A. Milan have looked very good. So I expected in this derby 
things to correct themselves. So, yeah, Milan start, has started well. Inter has started poorly, but it's the derby. Milan hasn't won a derby in several years. Uh, they, they haven't won a, an away derby uh, in, I think, a decade prior to this. So I expected it to correct itself. And then Zlatan does what Zlatan does in the first uh, 15 minutes. So I actually think this is a... In, in terms of when we look at the season in a couple months, this may end up being an exceedingly significant result, that, that the Milan derby. And uh, yes, and credit to Mark Donaldson. I thought he had a phenomenal call. And uh, I put it, I also wanted to mention he and Matteo, really good in the studio before the Roma match uh, the next day, mm-hmm. too, in summarizing everything going on in Serie A. So that team, I think, is really now this would be, what, year three of them together? Is that right? Sounds about uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they've really, the chemistry is really, really good between them. And, and uh, they're outstanding calling matches. And now we're getting them often uh, more than once a week, which is uh, also good. The one thing about uh, the Milan derby that really kind of set it apart to Kartik, um, and, and probably a lot of people missed this, was was the referee. The referee let the game flow. I mean, there was there was fouls going all happening all left, right, and center. The referee was like, "Play on." I mean, no foul. Let's keep on going. And and you had players. Of course, you had players diving and rolling around. But he said, "Nope, come on, keep on." I mean, no, no call. And then magically, the players would pop up and start running back towards trying to de- defend. Um, that that helped with the just the the speed of the game. And and of course, we've had so many stoppages in games and so many stoppages for this, that, and the other. This one was free flowing football from start to finish. Second half was a little bit tense, but but going back to that Spurs West Ham game too. In hindsight, I think it's to me. I don't know. When I was watching this, I was like, okay, West Ham just look completely out of it. Dave, David Moyes at the end of the game said, yeah, he said, actually, in the first half, I thought we played really well. We were in the game. And and I just told him, okay, second half, go out there and do the same. But uh, David Moyes coined, well, I didn't really coin it, but uh, he, he described this game as crazy football. And uh, not just this game, but just in terms of soccer in general, um, after this COVID, once COVID uh, broke, it, it is, has been very crazy. Lots of goals, lots of back and forth. Uh, some games boring. I mean, we had the the Burnley West Brom game on on the Monday, I think, or, or the Sunday. That was pretty boring. Uh, the first uh, goalless um, game, uh, goalless draw in the Premier League uh, this season. But uh, overall. I'm I'm enjoying this crazy football, even even without the fans. Yes, I would like the fans to be there, but but uh, a really entertaining weekend, I think overall. So, Kartik, that 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 pretty much sums up the the weekend uh, games. Of course, you you and I watched a ton of other football, whether it was Championship, a uh, little maybe maybe a little bit of Liga MX, a little bit of uh, more Premier League matches. Uh, you watched uh, a bunch of women's soccer, watched Major League Soccer, etc. But we really have to talk about the Champions League. And the Champions League is back. It's back back again, group stage. We've got, uh, of course, CBS Sports and uh, Tudo NA. And uh, both of them coming in strong and both of them now having their own whip-around shows. You've got Zona Football, which uh, Tudo NA's had for, like, what, two years now? And, of course, the launch of CBS Sports is... The Golazo, uh, Golazo show, uh, hosted by Nico Cantor, uh, Nico, uh, son of Andres Cantor, uh, the famous uh, Spanish language soccer commentator, 
And the interesting thing about this is that Nico Canto was one of the hosts of Zona Football on Tuduene last season. Uh, and uh, as we've talked about a little bit over the summer, there's been layoffs at Tuduene and Univision and, and actually a lot of broadcasters too. I think ESPN, Fox, uh, NBC. There's been a lot of lay- layoffs uh, in general. But Nico Canto gets hired to do a zone of football basically for CBS Sports and is based in London. Now, I took the Pepsi Challenge, Kartik, and, and I watched uh, Zona Football on Wednesday for the uh, the Champions League matches, and I watched uh, the Golasso show on Tuesday. Um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch either of the shows, but uh, just wanted to get your viewpoints first in terms of uh, kind of pluses and minuses. Yeah, the Golasso show on Tuesday... I think it, it, it needs some work. I, I was uh, disappointed in the uh, in, in in kind of the the, the direction of it. Uh, Nico Contor, like his father, very cosmopolitan, knows a lot about football all over the world. In fact, his first announcing gig was uh, with the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Obviously, I've worked for that club and I worked for the for the league as well, and, and worked with Juan Arango. Uh, uh, Andre, uh, Nico Contour, I almost called him Andres Contour. Nico Contour worked with with Juan Arango, who's of course a friend of ours, uh, in the broadcast booth for the Strikers for Fort Lauderdale back in 2011 and 2012. And uh, he's very cosmopolitan, knows a lot about football all over the world, all over Europe. Does Copa Libertadores matches, has done Liga MX matches in both English and Spanish. And obviously did Zona Football at Dudiene, which meant he did uh, Champions League and Europa League. Now, with Alex Scott and Jamie Carragher in the studio with him, it became like the Anglo-American football show. Uh, they, they, they talked about British and American themes exclusively for the first 20 minutes, it felt like. And uh, their reporters all had uh, Jenny Chu, who uh, obviously worked for Orlando City. They all had kind of this this Americanized or, or, or anglicized bent. So I, I guess maybe uh, CBS knows what's who their audience is. They assume anyone who's interested in, in German football or, 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 uh, or, or uh, Spanish football or Italian football or Dutch football, they're all watching 2DNA and everybody watching them is interested in England and American players. So that would be my first uh, and foremost critique of it and then after that i thought the show was really clunky through halftime uh, although i'll be honest I, I i fast forwarded through a lot of it i was watching uh, during that first half i was watching dortmund versus lazio as my focus on cbs all access uh, i had watched uh, dinamo kiev and Ju- juventus on duty to dna prior to that so I, I was watching games actually not 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 the the uh the whip around shows mm-hmm. as much as maybe i should uh second half i thought it was it was better i think nico uh showed his knowledge you know able to kind of and also his ability to to move and transition uh, i thought that was good i think the analysis was kind of weak i would actually apply uh, I know you want to talk about whip around shows, but I'm just going to throw this in. I think the the analysis on the uh, actual traditional post match show for CBS was was uh, was weak. Also, uh, Kate Abdo and Micah Richards had off days on Tuesday. I do think Roberto Martinez was very very strong. Uh, as of this taping, I have not watched uh, that that particular show on Wednesday, so I can't uh, comment on comment on whether mm-hmm. they they bounce back. Yeah, so so Wednesday's uh, Golasso show um, had a smaller crew, so it had uh, Nico Cantor and Roberto Martinez. 
So you had um, those two together. And, and of course, uh, Tuesday's show, for anyone who missed it, was Jamie Carragher, Alex Scott, and uh, Nico Cantor. And um, I, get, I, I don't want to be too hard on CBS Sports, only because this is the very first time they're doing it. This is brand new. And we know, I mean, a lot of the hard hardcore, long-time listeners know that it's it's not as easy as it looks and we i mean multi-match 90 was on fox sports or usually fox soccer plus right or fox soccer match pass for a couple of years and you had uh, ross dyer doing that and as they did more and more of those they got better and better it's hard to do uh live i mean especially when you have so many games happening at the same time not knowing what's going to happen and trying to transition in mean in a seamless way where you're where it's a watchable experience and i think cbs sports will learn a lot from this this week i think on tuesday it seemed very flat i mean no energy just very in the beginning it was very quiet it was strange because you mean they were kind of listening into the commentary and but then but then started talking just then started chatting too much so you had alex scott and jamie carrigan and nico canto just talking 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 we want to watch the games. We want to know what's happening. We want to listen to the commentators. Now, you mean, if there's analysis to share, share it with us. Otherwise, it feels like watching like Fan Zone, where you've got uh, just fans talking over it. We, we didn't want that. Wednesdays was better than, than Tuesday. But I think it's, it needs to be less talking and more... F- you know, one person could do it. Two people is okay. Three people is too many. Um, but so far, hopefully they'll learn the lesson a little bit in terms of uh, how to improve it. Uh, Nico, it, it's it's interesting, Kartik, because, I mean, you, you and I have uh, met with Tudu NA. We've done, I think both you and I have done some pieces, some articles about Zona Football. We've been in the studio at Zona Football. We've interviewed those guys. We've been big fans for a long time. And I think CBS th- thought, okay, let's take Nico Canto. He's the star of that show. Let's take him and put him in a English language uh, uh, show similar, even even calling it the the Golazzo show sounds. I mean, it sounds like something Nico, Nico would come up with a name that's really exciting that has a, a Latin aspect to it. But what you have is a Nico Cantor who is pretty mellow. He's not he was not as kind of excitable, not as uh, passionate, not as lively as we were used to hearing him on Tudo NA. But the other thing though, Kartik, and this is a big difference, is that I mean you have Nico talking about the game, it goes to live uh, say live say it's PSG against Man United. And most of the commentators on the English language side are pretty mellow. They're they're laid back. Unless you have a, I mean, Mark Donaldson, but he's not doing Champions League. But most of them are mellow, kind of, uh, it's a different style of commentating. Completely. So so when I watch the Golasa show, I mean, when I watch uh, Zona Football on Tudo NA Extra on Wednesday, I was like, man, this is what I want. Because you have, not only do you have the energy of um, Alex uh, Berry or Alejandro Berry uh, being the host, but then they go to the commentary and it's Ramsey Sandoval with an incredible goal call. And they're just like going crazy. To me, that is what that type of show should be about. It should be the, the, sheer, the sheer passion, the excitement, the energy, the raw energy, the emotion. And I get that was on a football. With the Golasa show, it's, it's a mismatch. It's 
taking Nico, who's a you mean a good professional, but putting him into a situation where the studio talent around him and the commentators from the games are pretty laid back for the most part. So for me, it's hands down Zona Football uh, all the way, even even if I don't understand what they're saying. And and I guess the other thing too is that. Um, one more thing is with Zona Football, it has the, the alert, it has the, the chime, it has the bell. So if you're watching, even if you don't understand Spanish, um, and I know a little bit, but enough to get by, I'll hear the bell and immediately I turn my attention 100%. And I'm like, okay, who scored? I want to see, I mean, which game it was, what the goal was like, and then hearing the goal calls. To me, that that's, that's what the Champions League is all about. I'm a little, and you know, we have to see how this thing plays out. But I, I was a little underwhelmed by it. But at the same time, I will tell you, I was not terribly in, interested in in European midweek Champions League anyway, for various reasons. So, uh, and uh, maybe I'm just not as into it as I am into the, the domestic competitions and into uh, the leagues that are going on that are that are really heating up. But yeah, I, I think there are. Um, I think a tendency because maybe the, 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 the kind of British surroundings of Nico Contour then to, uh, to tone down the way he uh, calls things at the same time, I thought he was really good in transitioning yeah. from one match to another, to another. Uh, and again, I, I was trying to focus on the Dortmund Lazio match. So I, I was watching it. It's my primary yeah. focus on Tuesday, uh, which is also part of the problem. So well, I guess I had, uh, anticipated I would like the whip around because I'm never focusing on one match anyway. I'm not really that 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 interested in one specific match. But as it turns out, that wasn't the case. I wanted to watch Dortmund Lazio, Lazio Dortmund, and uh, and and did the whip around show was kind of just extraneous. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing I was going to say too is that uh, the whip around shows are not for everyone. So you mean for those people like myself, who have no dog in the race. I mean, we, we, I, I'm not a fan of any of the clubs that are in the Champions League, but I I love watching the Champions League. I watch the, uh, I love the excitement and the storylines and uh, the drama um, and the high-quality football. So for me to watch it, to me, I get the best of, I mean, it's, it's kind of a highlights reel, reel in live, in live in real time. Um, now, if I was a Dortmund fan, yeah, I just want to tune in to watch that Dortmund game or the PSG Man United game and get that full 90 minutes experience with I mean, quality commentators. And, and then even if it's artificial crowd noise piped in, whatever it is, but it's enjoyable by itself. And uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, really, for CBS, this is really more of a almost a, a showcase. This is almost more of a... Uh, a gateway drug so to speak to get people whether it's mainstream people or people that may not have a uh, a dog in the race it, watching this and seeing the the energy and the excitement and going holy cow i should subscribe to cbs all access and i can have access to each of these games individually as well as kind of all of the pre-match and the post-match content and uh, europa league and have access to all of that as well as a whole bunch more so um so that was the thing I was I was surprised by on Tuesday is just that beginning like the first like fifteen minutes of uh, the Golasa show was just so flat. It was uh, I, I think part of it too is probably Nico and Jamie and Alex trying to find the balance, trying to figure out okay, do we talk a lot? Do we not talk a lot? Do we what are we doing here? 
And uh, even though I know that they did rehearsals, I believe on Monday, uh, they watched a whole bunch of Premier League matches from the weekend and queued them up and had them start at the same exact time and then used that as as a test just to, to, to see how that worked out. Um, I, th- I think it'll get better. And uh, but, but for me personally, I, I just really prefer that that uh, that zone of football side of things. And now if CBS, if I want to listen to Clive Tildesley or Peter Drury or Jonathan Pierce or Kevin Keatings, or uh, as well as as watching, say next week's uh, Juventus against Barcelona game or whoever it may be, uh, if I'm interested in one game, I will go to that one game and and, and love it that way. But uh, if I'm it depends. Sometimes uh, for me, Kartik too. Sometimes it depends what type of mood I'm in. I, am I in the mood to see everything, or am I in the mood just to concentrate on one game? And it's, it is a completely different experience depending on which way you go. Yeah. So I, I uh, I'm not a Dortmund fan, or I don't claim to be a Dortmund fan, but maybe I am because I watch them more than I watch them even more closely than I watch Manchester City, the club I claim to follow, so or claim to support. So I. I I, uh, I watch every Dortmund match, so I, I guess them playing uh, meant that I, I wanted to watch that match, and they didn't play very well. But I I, I watched the full ninety, uh, even if there were concentration lapses because I was focusing on zone of fo- uh, not zone of football on uh, Golazzo show. And then in terms of Wednesday, I was I was busy. I didn't get to watch the matches live, but had I been uh, present, I probably would have watched Manchester City Porto and and not watched uh, uh, anything else. And in fact, I, I taped Manchester City Porto from uh, from Galavision so I could watch it. Uh, uh, I, and I will watch it before the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Golazzo show I taped as well, uh, so I, I'll check that out. I do want to watch again. Like I said, I, I thought the post game show, the traditional post match show on CBS, was some, somewhat weak. On uh, on Tuesday, uh, Roberto Martinez was very good. I thought that Carragher, Richards, and and uh, uh, Abdo were both kind of subpar by their their high standard that they set back in August. So uh, I want to watch the Wednesday show to see if they they've improved on that. Uh, and you mentioned uh, uh, Martinez was with the Galazzo show, so that would mean it'd be more of Richards and and Carragher and that. Uh, for those who don't know, in terms of programming, CBS shows all of these. Uh, studio shows once again on CBS Sports Network at some point during the evening. So uh, if you uh, set your DVR or you look on your program guide, if you don't want to watch it live or you miss it live on All Access, you can see it again on CBS Sports Network. They've been doing this consistently since they got the rights. So I assume mm-hmm. that that – and they did it yes, uh, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday this week. I assume they will continue it into the future. Yeah, pre-match on Tuesday, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good with um, uh, Mika Richards and uh, Jamie Carragher tr- trading some laughs within the first like five five minutes. It kind of broke the ice a little bit. It was, uh, you mean, kind of. It, it, it's fun to 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 watch the chemistry between the, them two, um, and and the analysis w- was fine. I had no problem with that. Wednesday uh, post-match, um, Kate Abdo again was doing a bunch of the uh, translations. I think uh, Luka Modric was one that she was translating. So really kind of showing her expertise and, and what she brings to the table. Um, but overall, I I thought the, the analysis that I did see w- was good. I mean, it was, wasn't was legendary. It wasn't, but it was definitely, um, to me, much better than what NBC is doing in terms of uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, the that's, effort there. <laughs> right, that, goes, that goes without saying. Right. Uh, I, again, I mean, I know 
people are maybe getting sick of, of me in particular and maybe you to a lesser extent beating up on NBC. But yeah, we're, we're holding CBS to the standard they established in August. If we're comparing them to NBC, they're knocking it out of the park to use a baseball term every single time they, they're on air because uh, it, it, you're getting a lot more right. out of any CBS show than you do out of uh, anything NBC is producing currently. What I would say, though, too, is that the, the CBS All Access experience is, is clunky. And I can't wait until they rebrand it as Paramount Plus and then relaunch the app in early 2021, which could be a few months away, depending on when in early 2021 that that is. But it is clunky because you go in and sometimes you see a couple of games listed and then you're like, it's missing three or four. And then I go out of the app and then go back in and then I see them. And then sometimes um, you you, you watch a game and you expect then to be able to, like, say, one of the early games, and then you expect to have a continuous flow so that you then see the next game, or you see the 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 kind of the pre-match for the three p.m. kickoff on Eastern Time, and then sometimes it, sometimes it's it's a lot of hunting and pecking, and sometimes you have to click three or four times just to get to what you're trying to get to. I think part of the challenge, Kartik, is that this app was not not made for live sports streaming with so many different games on at any given time or actually the same time and I, and I'm sure with the next app release or the next version of this one when we do get Paramount Plus and it's renamed it will be a lot more seamless and will be a lot more probably I don't know ESPN Plus can be can be clunky too but but CBS All Access is definitely you have to have a little bit of patience to get it working so, so a couple of things on this. Uh, one, between WhatsApp, uh, Twitter, and uh, and text messages, I had four, one, two, five different people complain to me that they started a, uh, started a match, uh, whether it was the, uh, the 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 Dinamo Juve match, which I actually was watching on two DNA, so I, I didn't have to experience this, or the Chelsea Sevilla match, and they got the wrong match. Yeah. Uh, at at first, so that's that's one. Two. Uh, when I went in to get the Dortmund, the 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 uh, Lazio Dortmund match, because I had watched previously, as I said, I watched the first the first uh, two hours on two DNA, so I was switching to CBS at that point. Uh, uh, two after the first set of matches, I, uh, I I I go into the app. It's very clunky. You're right. It's trying to give me all of the uh, the the, the, the play in round matches on demand before I can find the live matches. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, that's a real red flag. So my, uh, I, I normally would have gone berserk about this, but I do realize that they are re, re, redoing this app. They are relaunching it as Paramount plus hopefully sooner rather than later. I hope it's during this season yep. in, in, in the champions league. I hope it's not next season. Uh, so I, I'm a little more patient than maybe some of the problems we've seen with Peacock, which is just launched uh, and other, uh, other apps when they've been clunky. I mean, Peacock is still very clunky and uh, it should have been launched with, uh, without all of these bugs where CBS, I realize at, they're at the kind of end of the lifespan of the interface they've got now. So they're not going to make any significant changes to it until they completely reboot as, 
as uh, as Paramount Plus. Hopefully, before the knockout stages of the Champions League. I, I, I think yep. uh, if to those uh, of you from CBS who might be listening to this show, uh, I can't stress the importance of that. I, I'm not saying Russian app that's not uh, totally ready from a, from a development and technology standpoint, but uh, that's uh, I, I think the viewer experience will be much improved on Paramount Plus than what you have right now in all access. Yeah, the other thing too is that um, depending on how you experience the app, it's different. So the Roku app is quite different than the the web version. If you go in on a, like a web browser, and uh, some of the feedback we were getting was some people were having problems with um, the website version of it. Uh, again, trying to watch a game but it's not coming up, or starting a game and it starts with a different game. But yeah, like you said, Kartik. Um, I, th- I think a lot of it, too, is us trying to help uh, the listeners and the viewers and our followers and just try to, you mean, really kind of answer the questions. We've been pointing people to, the, you mean, uh, CBS All Access support, as well as troubleshooting. Same thing with Peacock, too. We've had a lot of uh, feedback and questions and people calling me, too, saying like, hey, Chris, I'm trying to do this and this and this on Peacock. How, how do I find it? And, and and oftentimes one of the best resources is the website is is worldsoccertalk.com we've got FAQs we've got videos we've got really kind of active community with comments etc etc so we try to answer those to the best that we can uh, and if we can't we'll go ahead and, and kind of direct you to even support or technical support or troubleshooting because sometimes there's so many different things that could be wrong and it could be on the end user's point of view it may not necessarily be be the app or, or CBS all access sometimes but, uh, I'll tell you how bad the Peacock uh, experience is. Now, I, I've defended NBC for putting matches behind the paywall because they're still giving us an extraordinary number of matches uh, on, on on television, on uh, terrestrial TV. So I, I, I thank them for that. But Peacock has become so clunky for me. Usually now when a Premier League match is bumped to Peacock, I, I decide I'm going to watch, uh, uh, like, for example, the, uh, the the NWSL game I was talking about that I watched uh, start to finish the Orlando-North uh, Carolina match coincided with the Manchester United-Newcastle match, which I decided just to skip because Peacock was being clunky. And and so I'll watch a Serie A match on ESPN Plus or Bundesliga match on ESPN Plus or a championship match or Liga Mekis even in one case this weekend instead of watching uh, what was on Peacock uh, because it's just the app. The app I don't think was quite ready or maybe like cbs all access it was not really designed for live sports it was designed for on-demand movies on-demand television shows and other nbc and universal programming i get that but i think that there are some significant issues with with uh, the live sports experience live soccer experience on there yeah absolutely and, and and that's something i think we've experienced with a lot of different apps too is that um it's a work in progress I and mean, it is something I mean, even espn plus uh, wasn't the greatest in the beginning. It still needs, at some point in the future, I'm, I'm sure, I would hope, that ESPN would redesign the app and make it better than what it is to be able to find it's, things. It's still miles better than than these other ones, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they came out of the box much stronger than than uh, Peacock did. I mean, it's like, it's like yeah, there, there are still some issues with ESPN+. Plus. Don't get me wrong. I think I had an issue during one of the Bundesliga matches. It might have been the Schalke. Uh, Schalke Union Berlin match this this week where it just froze on me. Yeah, on Sunday. It just froze on me at one point. But uh, it's still I, – I, I don't have any hesitation to, to, to go and turn on ESPN Plus for a match. With Peacock, it's like an extra step psychologically in my mind now that I don't want to take, honestly. It, so that's that's not good. I, maybe yeah. that will change. 
Yeah, for me, for me, it's seamless. It's I mean, I just look look at it on the Roku or the Amazon Fire, and, and they just fire it up, and and away it goes. But uh, yeah, work in work in progress from a lot of different apps there. All right, Kartik. Finally, let's move on to TV streaming news. Finally, 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 this is the news we've been talking about for a long time, and uh, it went live. I think after we recorded the podcast uh, late last week, but uh, it's finally here. It's official now uh, because we've known it for a few weeks. The Scottish Premier League uh, Premiership rights were acquired by ESPN Plus and the old firm Derby, which was won by Rangers this time. And I know a lot of people are happy about that. A lot of people are unhappy about it, too, but uh, was on ESPN Plus the first time in a while it's been really accessible to the American public. And I, 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 I'm uh, curious and we'll get the TV TV streaming news uh, a little uh, TV ratings maybe uh, a little later. But uh, did Rangers Celtic being on ESPN Plus cut into the Merseyside Derby number on NBCSN? Because at least again, it's anecdotal, but at least based on my Twitter, there were as many people watching that, or maybe not as many, but a, a significant chunk of people that would normally be watching Everton Liverpool were watching Celtic Rangers. Yeah, it's hard though too, Kartik, because you can't uh, depend on on Twitter. I mean, if you look at Twitter, again, no, that's why I'm saying it's anecdotal. I know, I know, it's so difficult. I mean, if I had a get, I think it did cut into it, um, or it might have actually. You had people watching both games. You had people watching the Merseyside derby and the Ulfham derby, or some people have said, "Screw the uh, Merseyside derby. I'm I'm watching uh, Celtic against Rangers." And um, the game itself, um, I think Ian Crocker on the commentary, the thing it was lacking uh, was the crowd noise. And I think in the beginning, it was really quiet, really silent. And you had the commentators, of course, and, and, and you'd hear the players. But I think as the game went on, I think the, it sounded like they turned up the, the volume a little bit on the artificial crowd noise. That was the only thing it was missing. And when I flipped channels, or actually, I think I had it on, on at the same time, when I changed, I mean, basically muted the, the Scottish uh, game and then unmuted Everton against Liverpool. The crowd noise with the artificial noise, it sounded a lot more exciting. It sounded a lot, lot more intimate and it really kind of pulled me in a lot uh, better than, than the, the, the old firm Derby. Um, having said that, so the, 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 the news, um, we broke the news in late August that uh, ESPN, uh, ESPN Plus had acquired the rights then the deal broke down, and then finally it came back with that Ulfham derby. And the plan is is that uh, once a week, um, the Scottish Premiership, one of the games, will be on ESPN+. It's a one-year deal, and according to one of my sources, uh, once that one-year deal has ended, then ESPN has the opportunity, possibly, to go ahead and renew that for a few more years. The, the sticking point is still the, the club's. The Celtics, the Rangers, the Aberdeens, um, I mean the Partick Thistles, etc., the, the Dundees, the clubs. All I think pretty much all of the clubs now uh, have their own streaming packages that they sell directly to consumers worldwide, and that's what ESPN wants. ESPN wants to have exclusive rights to the Scottish Premiership, so that every single weekend you can watch every single match. Uh, from um, from Scotland live on ESPN Plus, they don't want it to be where you can watch a game in two different places. Celtic Rangers, you can watch it on Celtic uh, TV. You can watch it on Rangers TV. Um, now you can watch it on ESPN Plus. That cuts away at 
um, the value proposition that ESPN Plus provides, which is exclusive rights to to that league. Well, so, so, so this is this is interesting because I think you have this issue with iFollow, and uh, do you? Well, no, it's a little bit different. And, no, it's a little yeah, bit different. And, so, so it, it, I iFollow, which is the streaming service for the English Football League. For you mean championship uh, league one, yeah. league two. So if you have a game that is, um, say, for, for me, I, I subscribe to Swans TV. I get all of the Swansea home and away games. But any of those games, if it's um, if it's going to be on ESPN Plus, then that's the only place I can watch it. I can't watch oh, okay, it on, okay. on Swans TV. Now that's probably a deal that ESPN Plus would want. They'd probably say like, hey. We may not be interested in showing every single game from the Premiership, the Scottish Premiership, um, every single weekend. Perhaps we'd like to have two or three of them, and those two or three would be exclusive to them. And maybe there's an I follow type of situation that the Scottish League can figure out, where those games would only be on ESPN Plus in the states, but any other games that ESPN's not showing could be on that I follow direct consumer subscription so there's a lot there's a lot of things to work out and th- and that's why we had the the hold and that's why we had the frustration and that's why we had the delay but but now we know what the situation is and and it's back and it's going to be exciting to see some of these games on on televisions on, on streaming but uh there you go now Kartik, oh gosh i where do we start with this one the european premier league I mean, we we thought the EPL was uh, English Premier League, but it sounds like the uh, the boffins at uh, FIFA supposedly are backing this plan to have what sixteen to eighteen of uh, Europe's top clubs, uh, clubs from I mean all the top leagues in Europe, including Liverpool, Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, Man City, perhaps um, in this European Super League. And um, there's been lots of reports since it was announced this week whether or not how much um, how much uh, credence should be applied to this because um, I think a lot of the clubs were saying like oh yeah no and there's been discussions but n- nothing serious or we don't know anything about this that that's the type of uh, response we've got so far uh, we t- we spoke last week in last week's podcast uh, I think both you and I agreed that we thought that this is disgusting. But um, anything, any additional thoughts about this whole concept and and, and what they're aiming for? Uh, no, no, no additional thoughts other than, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, you'd see how disgusted I am by this. And I'm not alone. And uh, it would be, uh, uh, I thought, well, okay, I guess I do have additional thoughts. Because I thought initially upon the news, not surprised because when big Operation Big Picture uh, went down, as we talked about on last week's podcast, I, I figured that these same clubs would would, would would push for this European Super League, which they've been pushing for for 15 years. Uh, once again, uh, making an opportunity, taking the, uh, advantage of this misery and suffering of other clubs and the sport and the world in general because of COVID-19, that they would uh, they would try and take advantage of the situation. Uh, uh, that uh, hunch of mine was correct. However, I, I, I said initially maybe uh, that the, oh that this would be the worst thing ever. Uh, the the to hell with these clubs. Now, honestly, the forty eight hours later, 
as we record this, I'm thinking, you know what, just let them go. Maybe, you know, and maybe the federations will, uh, well, if, if uh, FIFA's behind it, then the federations won't be able to kick them out of the federations, but at least uh, put restrictions on them the way uh, uh, your club, Swansea, you, you guys can't qualify for Europe from, uh, from Wales, uh, things like that. You know, put some restrictions on these clubs, sanction these clubs, and then maybe we'll have more competitive domestic leagues. Maybe if uh, Juventus and Inter, or I mean, and we're just assuming that these clubs are the clubs we're naming are involved in this. Uh, we the two clubs we know are involved are Manchester United and Liverpool. But it, it maybe if Inter and Juve are out of the uh, the Italian uh, league and and, and uh, uh, it'll be more competitive. Maybe uh, uh, the the domestic league. And this is where I think some English fans are getting excited, Chris. They're thinking if the six clubs we're thinking are involved might be involved in England are involved, and it may be five. And not uh, involving Spurs, right? It may be the other five of the big six. Uh, then, good. Let them go, and we'll have a competitive league, and we don't never have to think about these clubs again. That's the attitude of a lot of supporters, I- I'm finding, in the last 48 hours, particularly English supporters. I saw German supporters are disgusted by the idea, which is why I'm not sure the German clubs would actually be involved in this. Maybe Bayern would, but the assumption that maybe uh, you would have a... a, 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 a a Dortmund or a, a, a Eintracht Frankfurt's a big, big club with a big following. Another club in in Germany, uh, maybe not, because uh, the supporters uh, may not go for it. There, it would be really, really dicey with those supporters. But yeah, I, I, I'm disgusted by it. Uh, I hate the idea, but maybe if they do it, maybe it'll be better in the long term. Maybe, maybe we'll have our football back. To quote John Nicholson. Well, that's the challenge, though, Kartik, because what you have is that the, the fans, I mean, there's a lot of fans that, that believe that, that think that it'd be much better to have a, a Premier League in England where you have, say, Everton competing against uh, Wolves and Southampton and, and uh, you mean, you name it. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, these clubs outside, outside the top six uh, going for the title. The reality, though, Kartik, from from a business point of view, is that you take those big six out of the Premier League, and then you try to sell those rights to, say, the new Premier League that doesn't include those teams. It's going to be very difficult for, say, I don't know, an NBC to say, like, well, we're not going to pay as much as we did uh, for the Premier League. We'll we'll cut it by, say, uh, by half or by three quarters because those clubs are not going to generate the amount of fans and viewers that a Liverpool and a Man United and an Arsenal and Chelsea and Spurs and Man City are. That, that, that's the reality. That's, it's unfortunate because you and I will watch high-quality football no matter who it is that's playing. It's not so much yeah. the teams. You mean so, but, but that those fan bases for Liverpool and Man United, just alone, just those two clubs. We take Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea... Man City and Spurs, and you factor in what percentage of fans of English soccer are fans of those clubs in the United States, I'd say, what, 75% perhaps? Yeah, I think the only other only club uh with a huge following that's not one of the top six is 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 everton right uh, everton has a really big following in the u.s maybe west ham maybe but more everton but, but you're left with roughly 25 percent. so you've lost 75 percent of your audience uh and now you have 25 percent and uh of those 25 and if you still had promotion relegation you might have some teams coming up like a like a brentford that has 
I mean, practically zero fan base in the United States. I mean, I mean, they they will grow, they will prosper, they will do well. But but that that's that's the challenge. And I think in many ways, well, actually, going back to this plan, uh, this European Premier League plan. This is also this is also an effort. Sorry to jump in, Chris, but to prevent the likes of Aston Villa or Newcastle. Uh, from ever really challenging because uh, there is a scenario, an alternate world where, where uh, Villa, Newcastle and Leeds, those three clubs in particular, given their histories, given the uh, enormity of their supporters bases could challenge the top six clubs in England with the right, with the right sale, right, right ownership coming in. So I think that this is an effort. They know as the value of the Premier League continues, the current Premier League continues to rise. Those three clubs will probably one of them, well, Newcastle and almost happened last season, right? Uh, we'll, we'll get the kind of owner that can challenge them. So I think part of the motivation, it's not just COVID and, and taking advantage of the situation, but they know those other three clubs I mentioned, now Leeds is back in the Premier League, right? Uh, could challenge them someday. So might as well cut that off at the pass, which is why big picture uh, very specifically didn't include those three clubs, right? It, it, they added Everton, uh, Southampton and uh, West Ham right. as the other three they were going to protect. And uh, now I think they're trying to cut, cut uh, try, trying to secede from the league so that those three clubs I mentioned could never threaten them. And I think it's specifically those three clubs are really important when you think about it. And I'm not, it's not lost upon me that this has happened just as Newcastle was almost sold, just as Leeds has been promoted back to the Premier League, and just as Aston Villa has spent more money uh, in the last couple windows or net spend at least than, than most of these other, these clubs we're talking about. And by the way, Aston Villa is right now the best team in the Premier League. So <laughs> it, that might be a coincidence, uh, but they, they are conscious that that Villa could threaten them in the future. Yeah, and the the idea behind this plan, this proposal, uh, the European Premier League, which which has, has fizzled, but, but it could still come to life, it w- was that they would double dip. So, I mean... So basically, the the top, uh, the the big six, right, or the, or the big five, they talked about. Maybe five, it would become five, but they would also still continue to play in the Premier League, and yet uh, would would play in this European Super League. This European Super League would would effectively replace the Champions League, and these games would be played. Some of the games could be played midweek. Some of these games could be played on weekends. But effectively, the the Premier League clubs um, and 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 clubs from other leagues too, the top leagues, would be able to double dip and get getting more revenue than ever before because now they're focused on the sixteen to eighteen uh, European Premier League, which would get uh, enormous am- amounts of money. Um, they wouldn't have to worry about relegation. They'd they'd probably become permanent members of this European Super League, and then they would still play in the Premier League. Yeah, they, they're going to have a twenty-year, twenty-year uh, moratorium on re- re- uh, uh, relegation. I think did we see that in one of the reports? Yeah, we've seen a, yeah a bunch of different claims in there. But 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 the other thing about this, which is interesting for our listeners to Kartik and, and for us, is and for this podcast is that um, going back to the project big picture plan. Uh, which was the week before, which was the the, the clubs in the the Premier League um, saying t- threatening a breakaway league unless they got their way. One of the things that they wanted was um, with Project Big Big Plan is uh, the proposal is to be able to go ahead and sell directly to the consumer. So those top six clubs could go ahead and take uh, each of um, basically each of them could sell eight games 
directly to consumers. So Liverpool, if you wanted to have Liverpool against Everton, Liverpool against Man United, you go down the list, they could pick eight games and sell those directly to consumers worldwide and take massive amounts, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, of revenue from games like that. Uh, which would, and away from the league, right? And, uh, away from the broadcasters, right? Right, so, and, and away from all, all the other clubs in the Premier League, yeah, yeah right. and all the other little clubs, right? Yeah, I mean, this is all greed, and and uh, we've already seen Manchester City now has a video service called um, Man City Plus or something, right? I think everybody's doing the plus now. And- it's it's just like all this extraneous content, but they've gotten a lot of supporters. I mean, I'm a supporter of that club, but I'm not paying for it. Uh, they've gotten a lot of people to pay for it. So uh, I, I guess this is kind of the, they're testing the waters yep. uh, uh, for this. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's also what, what what is really stunning is that uh, I guess Operation Big Picture, whatever it was called, was was a trial balloon. If that had if that had uh, floated great then they would have they would have moved forward but maybe they were they were floating that out there to now then have an excuse to to go forward with this other very very uh, dangerous thing now for the other leagues i don't know how uh, uh what 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 spain 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 is all about protecting the big clubs anyway right that's what la liga and what's that's what tebas has been doing mm-hmm. i don't know how italy France and Germany are going to view it. I, I, I actually potentially think that Liga uh, could could really benefit if PSG just left the league, I, I, because there's so many good young players that come through their league. That league has 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 become more interesting to me the last few seasons. And PSG winning the title by 30 points, it's just like it it bothers me. But it's it's the rest of the league. It has become more solid in my mind, and then it becomes very competitive if PSG leaves. Now, I'm not forgetting, of course, that Monaco won the title a few, very recently, but every other year it's been PSG. Uh, Germany, that's another question because if, if, if Bayern were to leave the league, you have all sorts of issues with revenue, I think. Um, and 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 global interest, right? Mm-hmm. Because Liga doesn't have the global interest, so I don't know if they take as big a hit if PSG leaves as the Bundesliga would if Bayern leaves in terms of television. Because yeah, we we talked, we spent a lot of time on this show the last uh, last year or so talking about the Bundesliga improving as a television product, uh, the accessibility of the league, and also the quality. I think at this point, in my opinion. Uh, it's it's the best league in yeah, the world. Although La Liga, obviously, you have a, you can make a strong claim La Liga is still better. La Liga has been the best league in the world probably for the last ten years. But um, you take Bayern out of it, I think it suddenly the quality of the league doesn't dip uh, dramatically because the reason the league is so good right now is because Dortmund are developing so many good young players. Leipzig have have the best scouting network I think of any top team in Europe, uh, etc. But uh, it does hurt the media profile of the league. And then, uh, yeah, and then the Premier League, we've talked about what would happen to it. So, Kartik, speaking of the Premier League, so I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to ask the listeners too. So imagine we go back in the time machine to the early 1990s, and maybe it's 1990 or 1991. And I say to you, Kartik, what about this idea? What about this idea of taking the first division that's been... I mean, the, the football league, the way it's been uh, set up since the late 1800s, since 1888, all the way through to 1990, 1991. And I'm going to give you this idea, this idea of a breakaway league. It's called the Premier League. It's going to have uh, 22 teams. I mean, eventually uh, 
going down to 20 teams. It's going to have some, uh, all the games are going to be going to be on television. It's going to have great production. What would you have said at that time? Would you have gone for the, that idea? In hindsight, no. Okay, I'm, we're going to do two parts of this. In hindsight, no, because I've been very critical of the fact that they haven't spread money down the pyramid and have been have hammered the Premier League and, and said, hey, I, I prefer as an ideal system the pre-1992 English system. However, in the interest of, of being fair, had I been in that position at that time, knowing how unpopular football was, club football was in, in England, how poor it was do, poorly it was doing on television, how... Um, and all, and it was a horrible decade, the 1980s, culminating with Hillsborough, right? right but Heisel. it was, it was, yeah, well, Heisel was in 85. But I'm saying culminating with okay. Bradford yep. City was in 85. There were a couple other things that happened in 84, 85, and 86, culminated with Hillsborough in, in 89. I, I would have been on board with it at the time. There's no question about it because I thought, think it would have given the, the, uh, just like, uh, and, you know the best, the, the closest equivalent to English football in the U.S. is college sports. And just like I thought uh, at the time that uh, that the decision to create uh, these power conferences and these these television specific uh, uh, packages uh, w- w- was good for college football. As it turns out, and we have this debate constantly now, basically the winners and losers in college football were selected around that same time in the early '90s. And if you were a University of Central Florida, which is actually pretty close to where you live, uh, if you were a University of South Florida, you were on the outside looking in. If you were the University of Miami in this state, just if you're the University of Miami, University of Florida, Florida State, you were in the chosen club. They may all, in theory, compete in the same sport, but there is a, a cartel type feel to the way college football operates. Because of television, mm-hmm. very same thing happened with with the Premier League and revenue not being shared, revenue not coming down the pyramid. However, in 1991, when David Dean and Lord Sugar, uh, I don't think he was Lord Sugar at the time, but you know, Alan Sugar presented um, this along with the uh, owners, uh, the, the 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 chairman at Everton. Liverpool and uh, Manchester United; those were the five clubs in on it. I probably would have said yes. Yeah, and as a fan. I probably at that time would have objected to it. As a business person, I would have said, this is fantastic. We need this money pumped into into the league, into the teams, into the game. And uh, from that point moving forward, I mean, that the, the Premier League would not be, or actually English soccer would not be what it is today uh, if they hadn't decided to do that breakaway league. But But looking at this whole European Premier League concept, this Super League, to me, Kartik, what it is at the end of the day, yes, it's about, about making money, but it's about creating a, a competitor to the NFL. You have something, it's a closed league. You have something that's, uh, you're talking about more money pumped into these teams, generating massive sums of money. Um, this would really uh, divide, you mean, the soccer landscape as far as the haves and the have, have-nots and would really diminish the other leagues and uh, you mean other leagues that are not others other teams not participating in this league but it would really really make this a an NFL size just juggernaut and uh i don't think we need it i don't think uh it's the right thing to do i don't think it's democratic i i i'm there's probably some things in it that i would probably think okay that that could be exciting but um it just makes it makes me wonder if, like, say, like five years from now, we go back and say, like, if this is twenty twenty, what would you have done? 
but uh, but but let's move on, can't you? Just one one more one more news item because uh, I've got a lot to get to still, and that is that um, this came up this week, which is interesting. So we we've talked a lot, a lot about uh, European football, Champions League, uh, Liga MX, and how exciting things have been. MLS has had probably really what I see as probably their, their worst year ever. They've been hit big time by uh, loss of revenue. I mean, their number one driver of revenue, uh, the thing that keeps this league floating and, and keeps it uh, thriving is attendances. And with practically no fans in stadiums and so many of these clubs just uh, really, really stuck as far as the COVID situation, uh, just like clubs in, in lower leagues, you mean whether it's uh, League One, League Two, Championship, uh, Second Division uh, around the world, they've been hit too. The, the leagues that have prospered are the ones that have massive TV deals. So the Bundesliga, La Liga, Premier League, uh, Serie A, um, you mean teams that are involved in Copa Libertadores, etc., Liga Max. So this came out this week in the LA Times. And they're talking about, uh, it says that, uh, let, me, let me go ahead and re- read it out here. It says, a league official not, not authorized to speak about internal discussions publicly said that privately MLS may be hesitant to start a new season for 2021 in empty stadiums since income is its largest source of revenue. The delay would presumably last until a majority of teams were given permission by local health officials to allow spectators back into the stadiums that could be a while given the ominous ominous trends in europe uh spain's la liga and the premier league are still playing in empty stadiums while the bundesliga Serie A, and ligan are playing before limited audiences so kartik um knowing what you know and having the beliefs that you you believe when when would the season start? I mean, if MLS is going to is going to wait until the the majorities uh, of stadiums will allow fans in, May, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's right, maybe at, at this at this rate, you mean it, it could be June, it could be July, it could be it could be the summertime, and and then you're into Gold Cup, then you're into the Olympics, then you're into Copa America. Then you're into, I mean, players not being available because of international duty and, and uh, those types of things. Um, I think May May's probably optimistic, right? Because you, you've got the teams. The Gold Cup, the Gold Cup presents a major issue for MLS, and they they need to solve this long term because uh, as the league has gotten bigger and uh, the Concacaf region has gotten better, and, and MLS has gotten better, there has been. I, 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 I don't know if there's one tournament uh, in the world that has a league as adversely affected by the number of players that play in it as uh, this tournament with, with, with MLS. Right. Now, Maybe, more, uh, now more than ever, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking 50, 60 players from uh, MLS. I mean, in fact, USL and, and uh, NASL before NASL folded were, effect- were beginning to get affected by the Gold Cup because there were so many players from the Caribbean and Central America and those leagues also. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't that, – that's a good point. It's a Gold Cup year, right? So yeah, maybe they wait till the Gold Cup's done, but then, then that's really late. Yeah, yeah. That, then you're starting at the same time as the European leagues. Um, and then you're running into, you mean, when you have a stadium that you're sharing with an NFL team or you're running into other issues, right? I mean, May, to me, is very optimistic because you look at Canada. 
you mean the, the border between the US and Canada is still closed. So you've got uh, your Canadian teams that that adds a whole bunch of complex, uh, even additional uh, complexity to this whole MLS equation. But if you have the majority of teams, if you're waiting until that happens, what about all the California teams that have uh, probably they're tougher in terms of um, the guidelines there? Florida, we're probably going to be uh, back to uh, pretty full capacity in probably the next couple of months or so at this rate, the way things are heading. Um so it's uh, it's a tough situation because MLS needs that ticket revenue. Uh, it's going to be, I believe, like what the last year of their TV deal. So um, unless they can figure out, I mean, they, ha- they have to have those fans back in the stadium. So it's it, it represents a huge issue because I mean, it might end up being that you might have a calendar that is a a May through what. January calendar, or I mean, it adds a whole bunch of complexity to uh, the way that MLS is set up. But um, but anyway, I wanted to give everyone a heads up about that one. That's the latest news, and that was something that uh, MLS publicly haven't hasn't said anything. But in, according to sources from the LA Times, um, they're going through some really tough times right now, trying to figure out what to do for next season, let alone this season, trying to finish this season and trying to figure out a way to. Um, with all these cancellations and postponements. All right, Kartik, uh, for some listeners, you, they may be happy to know we're skipping the TV ratings sec- section this week. Uh, there's so much uh, soccer on streaming, and most of those streaming numbers are not available. So we're going to skip right into the listener mailbag. And first up is, this one's for you, Kartik. This one's from Julian Palmer. Julian says, on the spectacular decline of the ESPN FC show with lax analysis excessive coverage of Manchester United and Boomer Magoo comedy uh, attempts. My girlfriend texted me after Tuesday night's comic unwillingness to review the Chelsea against Sevilla game. And she said, I don't watch that show anymore. Kartik, do you uh, have you, do you sense any of Julian's frustrations about some of the things he's noticing or, or, or is it yeah, still, still I mean, good? I, I think, uh, it happens from time to time. There is an obsession with Manchester United. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. And and, uh, and and of course, there's a lot of needling of of of, of, of talent that uh, oh, the talent doesn't uh, the, the the talent hates Manchester United type of thing. But I still think there is a uh, there's kind of a complete picture that they give and, and levels of analysis that uh, that other shows don't give. I I do think though that maybe there are times they gloss over certain matches and they, uh, and in fact, I, I, I think, I think sometimes it would be like, uh, it's, it's like, there's so much happening that they've, and, and they've made this very clear commitment to cover the Bundesliga more and to cover Serie A more. Cause those, uh, yeah. those, uh, uh, uh those leagues uh, gravitate to ESPN that uh, what, what you see is maybe, or what you hear is, is particularly champions league. So the Chelsea, uh, I haven't watched the Tuesday show yet. Monday was the last show I watched, but uh, I could definitely see how maybe the Chelsea Sevilla game was so uneventful. Dan Thomas and the crew were like, ah, onto the next match. All right. Next up is Chris. Chris says, I'm a regular listener of your podcast and I have a problem pertaining to the Peacock TV app that maybe other people have dealt with. I've been uh, a premium member since the start of the Premier League season 
and the service has worked fine until this week, at which time my Chromecast app on my TV, uh, Samsung Galaxy, can no longer stream any of the Premier League content to my Chromecast. Works fine for everything else on the Peacock app except for Premier League content. Customer service has been a dead end uh, or error messages thus far. Just wondering if you know of a reliable phone number or email address I can contact. Thanks for your time and I enjoy your podcast. So I don't have a phone number and I don't have an email address, but I do have a couple of things if you haven't tried it yet, Chris, or any other listeners. Uh, you can. They've got a really good Twitter account. So they've got a support uh, that seems to be pretty responsive on Twitter. So their Twitter handle is um, at sign, of course, and then it's uh, Peacock TV Care, C-A-R-E. So Peacock TV Care, all one word. The other thing to do is, uh, if you haven't done it yet, too, is go to PeacockTV.com slash help. And uh, then uh, in the search bar, type in contact us. And then th- there's a form a form that pops up and you can go ahead and just uh, tell them what, uh, what's happening. And then they'll, they'll get back to you. So definitely try, try those two things. Chris Guardino says, this is the first time that I have seen soccer on pay-per-view on either TV or streaming uh, in a long time. Uh, the last time I saw a game on pay-per-view was 15 years ago. The infamous Switzerland against Turkey World Cup qualifier that ended up in a mass brawl afterwards. Oh, yes, that match. <laughs> yes. Hopefully pay-per-view does not become a trend in soccer because of how expensive it is. I use pay-per-view to watch boxing and it gets quite expensive when I have to pay $60 to see a world title match. This is often added to a cable satellite bill, which makes uh, cutting the cord much more appealing to people. I would much rather see matches be included in streaming and cable packages because you don't have to pay an additional fee. Going back for a second, Carter, to talking about the European Premier League and talking about uh, the big picture uh, proposal. That big picture proposal, part of that was pay-per-view. Part of that was saying, okay, hey, if you're a Liverpool fan and you want to watch these eight games that we're streaming uh, direct-to-consumer, Effectively, that's pay per view. You're, you're saying, okay, yep. you mean you can watch all the other games on your wh- whichever service would have have the Premier League at that time. But if you want to watch the eight from Liverpool and, and you're a Liverpool fan, you're paying per match. You're paying directly to to uh, Liverpool FC. So I, I see. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not a big fan of this by any means. But with everything going on, with no fans in the stadium for the most part. And most clubs, depending on re- ticket revenue, and with there with there not being any relief package, I don't see FIFA coming in and, and saying, "Okay, hey guys, we'll help you out." With U.S. Soccer, U.S. Soccer Federation, Kartik, they must be hurting big time without having any uh, Mexican friendlies or U.S. friendlies. Uh, no game. I mean, U.S. hasn't played since what? Uh, Cup Cam Cake? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You mean in January or early February. Uh, cup, cu- I don't even cupcake. remember those matches. So I yeah, there was never the last time they played a right. really competitive match. It's been a, it's been almost a year since they've played a really really tough match. So so I mean you can cross the boards. So I I see pay per view as being a way for clubs and federations and leagues. Um, it is looking at ways to to kind of replace that revenue because they have bills to pay, they have players to pay, and unfortunately we the consumer will have to pay for a lot of that stuff. So again, don't be surprised if this happens in the near future, um, more and more than ever before. 
Two more to go. JP says, uh, hopefully the big clubs never get that wish of a breakaway Super League. What makes the, Premier, um, the, the Champions League so great is those clubs don't meet often. So it's special when they do. Sp- same for the big uh, rivalries within a league such as El Clasico, uh, Bayern against uh, Dortmund, the Manchester Derby, Juve against Inter, etc. It's only twice a year, barring any League Cup matchups. If the big clubs created their own league and had these types of matches every week, it would become oversaturated and, and blasé after a short while. At the same time, it would rob us of more soccer. I think I wrote you guys before comparing it to college basketball. If all the powerhouse schools from each conference formed their own league, it would eventually destroy everything else about outside of it financially, would also lack charm. There's something special about a Barcelona visiting Ibar or an Ajax Monaco or uh, Atalanta surprising everyone with a deep Champions League run. And I, I agree 100% there, Kartik, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, rooting for the underdog and uh, that that's part of not not just soccer, but just sports in general. I mean, life in general, you mean rooting for the underdog and, and um, getting joy from that and, and having a European Super League. Um, it does become it could become boring. Last but not least, um, this is this is probably one more for you, Kartik, maybe. Uh, John Average Geek says, can you guys give a shout out to the consistency of Louisville City? Um, they've made the conference final yet again, but because Louisville is not a market MLS cares about, Louisville will stay in USL. And I know, Kartik, just from, uh, I think it was, um, we did a podcast a couple of years ago and um, and we we interviewed Louisville, one of, one of the, I think, uh, supporters groups there and that podcast went through the roof as far as the number of people downloading it and retweeting it and listening to it. And it's a really, really, I mean, just a fantastic grassroots club that has a lot of passion, great fan base, a lot of, a lot of pride in that team. And, um, as far as the pyramid goes, right. I mean, they've been left out. Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's other cities too. that are like this too. That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since 2017, they've been they've been really uh, uh, unstoppable at the second division level. The other thing I would mention is that they are actually technically a relocation of Orlando City or uh, the Orlando City USL club. Uh, that's why their colors are purple, and yeah. they originally had some cross ownership. They were actually originally uh, Orlando's uh, 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 affiliate club in USL until Orlando decided to create their own B team. Uh, so. If you take their history in Orlando from 11 to 14, <laughs> then you take their history in Louisville from 15 to 20, they have dominated a decade of USL. So uh, quite a club. Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's something that um, it's, it's, it's sad because they get lost in the shuffle, right? They're, they're not going yeah. to probably get an MLS team and uh, because it's not a massive major market like it, like a Miami or a Los Angeles. Now, now we kind of thought that about Cincinnati, who, were, who was their big rival. Cincinnati is a little bigger than Louisville, but I think actually, if you look at soccer demographics, Louisville would be a better market to be in if I'm, if you're MLS and Cincinnati's attendances were so high, they couldn't say no. Uh, and so, and, and to a certain extent, that was the case with Portland too. I mean, I remember when Portland got into MLS, MLS was looking at Miami first and foremost, Montreal, and at the time, 
Montreal zone or Joey Saputo was not that interested in moving up to MLS uh, and uh, potentially some other places. They were looking at Vegas then. Uh, all of those fell through and they took Portland along with Vancouver. They never had any intention of taking both of those. I think it would have been Vancouver. They would have left Vancouver and Seattle as a, as a rivalry and, and kept Portland a smaller market in, uh, in the second division. So uh, yeah. there is still hope for Louisville and, and their new stadium is, is wonderful. And that's a great showcase for USL. That's part of the reason I think USL wanted to play this season in spite of the pandemic was to showcase uh, the new the new stadium opening in Louisville. So I still have hope that they can be a first division club, whether it's uh, in MLS, whether it's USL becoming a, a competing first division with MLS and down, and down the road or, or, or however uh, the pyramid shakes out. Yeah, that, that dream is always that uh, promotion and relegation happens in this country and that teams based on their competitive level can go up or down that table. And Louisville would be an MLS if, if it was based on, on that in terms of just um, the way that uh, how well they, they, they've done and how they play. Right. And you've got teams like, uh, I don't know, like, like a Colorado, Colorado Rapids or um, this season, Atlanta United, that probably would get relegated into a second division. And, LA and, Galaxy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> don't get me started on that one. Yeah, but so so yeah, it's um, so yeah, John. Definitely, we're we're big fans. I mean, that's it. Sounds like I mean, any time I would go to Louisville, never been there, but I'm I'm sure that it's a great experience to go see a game there. Just from everything I've read and seen. So, listeners, we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, um, what about this weekend? What do you got planned? Any any soccer on the calendar, or are you going to be super super busy, busy with uh, politics? Well, obviously, Man City, West Ham, which I realize is on uh, Peacock, so I guess I'm gonna have to use Peacock. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, how we're gonna. Gotcha. Start the yeah, yeah, I'll be able to, I'll be able to sneak some football in uh, for sure uh, in terms of uh, uh, the elections. Also, uh, the I, I actually more complications for this for me this weekend might be that I'm trying to move all my stuff finally out of a storage facility that's been sitting for years. So uh, that's uh, that's also complicating the weekend. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to Chelsea, Manchester. United, I think it's a uh, it's a pretty critical game for Chelsea. Uh, we, yeah. We've uh, yeah. <laughs> we've had high expectations. I still don't know, and it's funny. I I, I think I'm more active in, uh, on Chelsea Twitter now than I am in Man City Twitter because there's so many selection uh, questions about what Lampard's doing, and and, and similarly, where Aston Villa uh, playing so well, maybe probably the best team in the league right now. Maybe Aston Villa besides. Uh, AC Milan, who we talked about earlier, might be the best team in Europe right now. Uh, and Bayern, of course. Bayern's the best team in Europe. But uh, uh, John Terry, the job he's done with the defenders. I see Konsa, I see Tyrone Mings, Target, and uh, Matty Cash, who was a favorite of mine in the championship. Those guys gelling as a unit, I, I think, has a lot to do with JT. Then you watch Chelsea, and they can't defend at all. You begin to think, maybe Ch- Chelsea picked the wrong famous former player of that great generation to be the manager so i'm watching yeah. chelsea man united well what about like a partnership you could have a uh, 
kind of a Peter Taylor, Brian Clough. You've got a uh, Frank Lampard and John Terry together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John, have, John focused on the defense. They relationship at times, wouldn't they? I can't, I can't see those two really yeah. getting on. They were in the same team, but personality-wise, temperament-wise, they seem totally different. Yeah, they do. They do. But but I, I can dream. But 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 that's that's the thing about um, you mentioning, you mean, the Man City game this weekend against West Ham. For me, I mean, that's a great thing about streaming in general. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be improved for sure. But the ability for me as a as a fan of a second division club uh, that's in Wales and I'm based here in Florida to be able to watch every single game home and away live and and have my commentators from my club you mean so or whether you're a Louisville City supporter or, or no matter what club you support worldwide for the most part it's easier now than ever before to be able to actually watch those games and 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 that I love. So, so I'm looking forward to watching um, Swansea City against Bristol City this weekend. I'm probably the only one, but but yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Kartik, so um, heading in, into a new weekend, lots of football to choose from. Uh, what should they do? Enjoy your football. <laughs>